We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. To the battles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell, and here is some genre-related news. Before we get to today's discussion, the ESA JAXA Bepi Colombo mission has captured its first views of the planet Mercury as it passed in a close gravity assist flyby last weekend. The closest approach was from an altitude of 199 kilometers. Images from the spacecraft's monitoring cameras, along with scientific data, from a number of instruments were collected during the encounter. Bepe Colombo is a joint mission of the European Space Agency and the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency. Bepe Colombo's main science mission will begin in early 2026. Its next Mercury flyby will take place in June 2022. And you can see the images of Mercury if you go to the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. Sony's Venom Let There Be Carnage was the number one movie at last weekend's domestic box office, shattering previous pandemic records with receipts totaling over $90 million. The film crossed the $100 million mark on Tuesday and stood at 109 million after Thursday. It is the first sequel during COVID-19 to exceed the opening of the preceding movie. Venom overtook Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which dropped to third place behind The Addams Family 2. Shang-Chi had been the number one movie for three weeks running. We'll see how Venom fares this weekend against new release, No Time to Die. I, I think it may be time for Venom to die, based on that. <laughs> I made it funny, okay. Some anniversaries this week, as October 4th was 64 years since the space age began with the launch of the world's first artificial satellite, Sputnik 1, back in 1957. October 4th also marked 90 years since the newspaper debut of Chester Gould's Dick Tracy comic strip. There's been scuttlebutt, excuse me, there's been scuttlebutt about this next item for a couple of weeks. It was formally announced this week that actor William Shatner will be making a suborbital flight aboard Blue Origin's New Shepard launch system on October 12th. At the age of 90, he will be the oldest person to travel into space. And I sure hope he doesn't expect to find any green women tonguing him down out there. It was announced earlier this week that a WandaVision spinoff series starring Katherine Hahn as Agatha Harkness is in development at Disney+. Not much information is available at this time, 
More on this as it continues to develop. New trailers dropped last weekend for the Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. Also this week for Season 3 of Lost in Space, Season 6 of The Expanse, and Season 4 of Star Trek Discovery. And you can check all of them out on one of the Fantastic Forum social media pages. And while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. House of the Dragon debuts on HBO Max in 2022. Both Lost in Space and The Expanse are entering their final seasons. Lost in Space debuts December 1st on Netflix. The Expanse premieres December 10th on Amazon Prime. And Star Trek Discovery returns to Paramount Plus on November 18th. Kiernan Shipka is set to appear in Season 6 of Riverdale on The CW. Shipka, of course, played Sabrina Spellman on the Riverdale spinoff Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. The Sabrina character is based on Sabrina the Teenage Witch in Archie Comics. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was originally in development for the CW and intended as a companion series for Riverdale before it was moved to Netflix. Sabrina's appearance on Riverdale will be a crossover. NASA announced that it is planning to launch a spacecraft next month to deliberately hit an asteroid in an attempt to alter its trajectory. This is a test of the so-called planetary defense strategy. The launch of the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART, mission will occur at 1.20 a.m. Eastern Time on November 24th, NASA said. This mission will launch from Vandenberg Space Force Base using a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. NASA is targeting a pair of asteroids orbiting the Sun that sometimes come close to the Earth. NASA says the asteroids don't get near enough to pose a threat. However, their proximity makes them a prime candidate for the test of a technique that could someday prevent a hazardous asteroid from striking Earth. And this weekend in New York City is the New York Comic-Con at the Javits Center. The live, in-person event started Thursday at the Javits Center, and it runs through tomorrow. Among this year's guests are William Shatner, Journey Smollett, Brian K. Vaughn, David Harbour, and Hayden Christensen. There's also a live stream option for panels. You can get more information via the website at newyorkcomiccon.com. And today, we're talking about some of those news items and more. Joining me for this discussion are Drew Bittner and Mike Lunsford. And welcome to the show, fellas. Hey there. Oh, thanks for having me. Hey. Always a pleasure to have you guys. Good gracious. So, um, I think, well, before we really, well, actually, shoot. <laughs> I guess it's really a question of uh, which of these items 
I want to mention first. I, I think I'd like to lead with the actual science items. That's one of the fun things about this show because we can talk about real science, we can talk about science fiction, and it's all something that we're interested in. But I, I got to tell you, um, I mean, and this is aside from the pictures of Mercury, which are really cool, but this whole DART mission, I mean, the idea that they want to actually test out this planetary defense system thing. I mean, that's like, that's, I, 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 I'm, I'm vacillating between being excited and being terrified because, you know, we've all seen these asteroid striking Earth movies and, you know, recently uh, we're talking about Armageddon and uh, Deep Impact, but of course there have been others, uh, you know, when worlds collide and uh, I could go on, but the, the key is because, of course, it was uh, an asteroid apparently striking the Earth that ended the reign of the dinosaurs here on this planet. And so uh, you um, and stuff is hitting us all the time. It's just a question of how big it is. And now that we are technologically advanced enough so that, you know, this um, this maybe doesn't have to be a, a thing <laughs> that ends us all. Um, I mean, I, I just think it's fascinating that there is there is liter literally a way to do it. I mean, and I'm, I'm reminded in, in Meteor, which was a late 70s film, uh, and of course that wasn't an asteroid, that was a meteor that was going to hit the Earth. Uh, we had these orbital missile platforms, uh, both uh, us and the Soviet Union at the time, that were redirected to fire their missiles. But um, I mean, all that to say, this is just so incredibly fascinating and terrifying that we are beginning to to explore some of this and i'm just curious about what you guys think about it and uh mike why don't you share your thoughts so i'm of two minds on this one um the first one is there's the cynic in me that's like well we're doing everything we can to destroy the environment here on the planet what's the point in us trying to defend ourselves from an <laughs> asteroid when we're just going to destroy the planet ourselves um so mm -hmm. there's that side of it but the other side of me is the is the the hopeful optimist, the kid who loves space, the one who is just like, dude, this is cool. Like, it's awesome that we're gonna be able to do something like this. We're gonna be able to test something like this. But then there's also like a person who loves a good story um, in me that is like, well, what if we hit it and it throws the trajectory off, and then that is what causes our annihilation in the first place? <laughs> we started mess started mucking around with this stuff. It's, uh -huh. I'm I'm super fascinated by this. I think that it's in the right hands because NASA has an incredible track record of success when it comes to missions like this. They they always check their math. They always did do their stuff. Like um, for uh, the one that comes to mind is is the Voyager uh, missions where they sent the two probes out and like they had to be like exact in their math in order to make sure that these things were able to get out of the mm -hmm. solar system. One of them didn't. One of them stayed in the solar system. The other one got out. But they had to have the tra trajectories perfect. Everything had to be precise, and they nailed it. And I think that with the uh, with additional technology that we have now, um, that it, it's only going to be better, and we'll be able to do more things like this. So I'm excited to see where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Drew? Um, I feel the same way. I mean, my first <laughs> response in hearing the news was, 
well, what's worse can happen? <laughs> like, uh, it doesn't work. It's like, I... like ooh. <laughs> I mean, we uh, there, there's definitely a movie in in here, like you know, the test is sabotaged and sends an mm. asteroid hurtling directly toward <laughs> us, and they have to launch the second backup rocket, which nobody thinks will work, and you know, so on and so forth. But that's the writer in you for sure. <laughs> yeah, coming coming to a theater near you in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the fact that we're thinking about all this, and you know, because of all the th- I mean I used to worry a lot honestly when I was younger about uh, nuclear uh, holocaust well, who did you know? I mean yeah you know because you know hey we, with all the various well you know you but you're right some people though they were more <laughs> interested in you know dancing and singing and whatever but uh, you know of course if you were somebody who was cognizant of the fact that uh, and the analogy I'm going to use is two people standing in a room that's awash with gasoline and one of them has a thousand matches and the other one has 1500 matches you know and it's kind of like well you know does it may it all it's going to take is one you know to start this conflagration there so uh, anyway but i used to worry a lot about that because uh, these automatic systems seem to be fail safe but I- anything that's automatic can potentially fail and even if it's that one in a million uh, mishap that happens i mean you know because people somebody in california won that 670 million dollar lotto jackpot <laughs> last week and i mean the odds are actually better of there being a nuclear holocaust you know than winning the lotto so reassuring yeah. thought <laughs> hey well hey that that's what i'm here for drew uh, but yeah but all that to say Many people did not worry about this, but but all uh, actually that's not what it. All of that to say that this was something new for me to worry about the whole idea of a um, an extinction level event. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like oh, but I was heartened by the fact that this wonderful technology we have, and in fact, those very nuclear devices that I feared could bring about our demise could potentially be used. I mean, I I don't think they're using a nuke for this stuff, but that's what I would use if I were trying to deflect an asteroid. It's like, well, let's turn some of these nukes. And and I I like that whole orbital platform thing, too. There you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, anyway, so, I mean, that that was what I was thinking. Anybody got anything to add to that? Or is that like a dead horse that we've just beaten? Was I was I overly optimistic <laughs> about this particular? No, I mean? I mean I think I think the, I think the interesting thing to me is that this opens the door to um, asteroid mining because if they can target asteroids, deflect them, steer them where they want them to go, and yeah. and land them where they want them to be, then that opens up an awful lot of opportunities for us. And frankly, I would not shoot them for Earth orbit. I'd shoot them to land on the moon because hmm. they're not going to burn up. Mm-hmm. And you can get them whenever you want, <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know. Hmm. So there's that. So I mean, this this opens up some some real possibilities down the road, <clears throat> and um, we will see where the technology goes. But like any technology, it opens up a lot of abuses too. And the first person that decides, hey, I can just drop an asteroid on New York City, is going to be, you know, <laughs> the, the, the yeah, next. His his name his name is Eric Lencher, uh, the master <laughs> of magnetism. <laughs> uh, yeah, it. I'm, I'm with Drew. I think it, 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 it's a fascinating proposal Like to think that this could be a new means of us getting a hold of more resources, frankly. Um, so that is interesting. And I, can't, I don't know if this is the same technology or if we had already done this once before. And by we, I mean like humanity. But like at one point there was a 
spacecraft that was supposed to collide with a comet or a meteor in order to study it is, is mm -hmm. this the same one or is this something different this is different uh, yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah i would have to i would have to do the research on that but like we've we've been we've been toying around with this idea of, uh as a species for quite some time because it does kind of scare us because we like to think that we're masters of our of our domain you know like we we've con we've mastered the earth and the and the only thing that we have to worry about is an extraterrestrial uh, threat. That's the only thing that we have to worry about. And these meteors scare us as a society, as a as a people, because there ain't nothing we can do. And like like you said in the uh, beginning of this, Yuli, that wiped out the uh, the former tenants of this uh, of this planet, <laughs> as far as we know. So it is it is kind of scary. We're like, hey, we're not going out like the lizards. So let's make sure we got a. <laughs> got a protection plan in place well i mean any, anytime you go through an earthquake or a hurricane you feel the same way it's kind of like this it's yeah. a little more localized hmm. yeah help yeah helpless yeah, yeah. And, you know and humans hate feeling helpless oh, you yeah. know you know you're listening to fantastic forum on wera 96.7 fm and streaming via wera.fm we are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford and Drew Bittner. And we've been talking a little bit about this upcoming test of the DART mission. And if you weren't paying attention, I can tell you that DART stands for Double Asteroid Redirection Test. And that's going to occur on November 24th. And it's essentially testing our ability to deflect an asteroid that could potentially hit the Earth. So one of the other actual space news items that we had is about this uh, joint mission of the European Space Agency and the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, this uh, Beppe Colombo uh, probe that, uh, actually there are like two of them, but uh, the, the probe that is uh, sent back the first views of the planet Mercury, and Mercury looked a whole lot like the moon, I tell you. It was mm. pockmarked with craters, and I, the only thing that I've got to say about this is I am so intrigued by pictures from other worlds, and even though I have not actually visited another world and stood on that planet, the fact that here in the beginning of the 21st century, little Yuli Campbell from New Jersey can see the surface of Mars or the surface of Mercury, you know, via these probes or, you know, the rovers that we send out. And I am just absolutely overwhelmed at being able to experience the majesty of all that. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah, definitely. Same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that's fascinated me since I was a child. I love space. I love seeing these pictures of other planets. Uh, in fact, there's actually, uh, on one of the pie, I'm not, I swear to God, this is not shameless self-promotion. Um, <laughs> That's it could, okay. It could be. <laughs> in, in one of the, uh, in one of the intros for one of my podcasts that I have, I actually Which, took, which podcast is it? Actually? Well, that would be my solo podcast, uh, Mike Explores. Ah. Um, if you, if you listen to the intro music to Mike Explores, in the very beginning, there's a very odd sound. Um, and what it is, is it's the, it's the frequency of the um, magnetic resonance of the planet Earth. If you were to convert the frequency of the magnetosphere into sound waves, what it sounds like. Hmm, and, they've, wow. and they've done this with a lot of the different planets. 
and I thought it was a really cool, eerie sound. And I was like, oh, this would be cool in a song. So I added that underneath of it because that sort of stuff fascinates me. Like I can watch documentaries about space all day and all of the pictures that they have of Jupiter and Saturn and Uranus and Neptune and now we're getting Venus and Mercury like it's it's awesome to me it's it there's a beauty in it but it's also like we could see these places we can do these things like the the technology continues to get better and better and better and now we're able to see these things like just imagine like the pictures that we have of Jupiter from the Voyager spacecraft were incredible and that was on a that was on garbage equipment like now yeah we, we got have, some like, real nice cameras yep exactly yeah we've upgraded our our stuff man we can get just incredibly high res stuff and we just continue to learn the things we thought we knew we continue to learn more and more and more about and that is just like incredible to me i mean i could i could read and watch this stuff for for hours and still be entertained Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah anything i mean i oh the one thing i had wanted to throw in with that was science you know (laughs) because that whole all that stuff about the uh, magnetosphere and all that stuff man it was like that's that's some cool stuff man yeah it's just it's just sad that we sound like an untuned theremin (laughs) (laughs) yeah right yeah all of a sudden it's the theme song to star trek yeah well you know but that that's the way it sounds to us and and it's funny that you mentioned that drew because that makes me think about those uh, tonalities that were used as the soundtrack to Forbidden Planet. Mm. You know, the uh, classic 1956 science fiction film based on The Tempest from MGM. And I gotta tell you, when I first saw that movie, I thought that, well, this music is the weirdest thing. I, I wish they'd <laughs> gone with a more conventional score. But now, and when I watch it, I'm just so impressed that in 1956, this was an attempt to do something different. And I would imagine that, you know, those tonalities are, are similar to the sounds that you were just talking about, Mike. Yeah, I mean, it's, we've known about the different wave frequen- frequencies of, of various uh, energy forms for a long time. So, yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible um, that they, yeah, I mean, just to use that in music makes a lot of sense. I mean, just the fact that, like, uh, for instance, um, going off topic just a second but like with horror movies horror movies often use infrasound so what they'll do is like in their soundtracks for horror movies they'll put an underlying sound level that is uh, imperceptible to the human ear but it vibrates like your eyes for instance Mm. and it makes you feel a sense of dread it makes you Mm. feel uneasy or queasy things like that and that's how a lot of horror movies are able to give you that feeling of dread is because they <clears throat> slip stuff like that in there. They're not honestly scary. They're just tricking you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> this movie's not scary. It's, yeah, exactly. It's the sound. Burn yeah, it. Again, science. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but, and, and that isn't really so much off topic. I mean, one of the wonderful things about this show is that we engage in an organic discussion. And so... It's sort of wherever the conversation takes us, uh, but I but I appreciate not wanting to go too far down the rabbit hole on this. But the one thing that I will say is uh, because there are two films that come to mind in terms of well and and well in terms of being manipulated by the soundtracks. But I will also add that uh, accomplished filmmakers who are skillful with their craft are adept at making the audience feel a certain way based on what you present. And I say all the time that since 
as a filmmaker, you control every element of what your audience sees and hears and overall experiences. Why not take advantage of that? You know, so um, I'm thinking specifically about uh, the Dark Knight and how the soundtrack utilized. And I, I, I realized this when I was sitting there watching it because the scenes with the Joker, I mean, it's just like. It's, it's like a sound that they just crank up. It's like... And I mean, and it's crazy. Listen to it. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, because it, it heightens your discomfort mm. <laughs> in scenes with this guy. Because uh-huh. it's just... They're just cranking this up. The other one uh, is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, they didn't exactly use that. But there are literally screams in the score. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> literally screams. And I'm not going to scream, but <laughs> I'm and listening to that and it's like, oh, crap. Yeah. No. And the soundtrack comes like really, really loud at certain moments. Like when yeah. Cap is running all of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But when they, sh- anytime they show the Winter Soldier, I mean, you hear this, I mean, and, yeah. and there's the, and, and, and the screams, and it's like, what the heck? I mean, it is just so unsettling. Yeah. Oh, my there goodness. Go. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, Mercury. <laughs> I'm just, and I, for some reason, I, I would have expected it to uh, look a lot different. I mean, I, I was expecting molten lava and all this kind of thing, and apparently there was lava at one time. Um, so I've been big- I pictured... To, to tie it into our, our geeky, nerdy conversation, see, I pictured Regula 1 from Star Trek 2. It was a dead planet. Like, mm. that's what I pictured Mercury to be. Like, was nothing. Because it's too close to the sun. Anything that was there would have just been completely burnt out. So it was essentially, like you said, pockmarked like the moon. Because no atmosphere would be able to exist that close to the sun. The sun would have just completely burned it off. Mm. Well, it says that uh, what the spacecraft's monitoring cameras, uh, the images they're sending back, Uh, show part of the planet's northern hemisphere, which has been flooded by lava, and a smoother and brighter area, which uh, characterized the plains around a large crater. So, uh, I don't know, maybe there is lava there, so I'm going to have to read up a little more on that. But it's so freaking close to the sun. I mean, and I remember I read a story once in my youth that was called Bright Side Crossing. And uh, it was in one of those like scholastic books or something. It was really cool. I mean, because, sure. you know, uh, obviously, as you might imagine from the title, somebody was trying to cross Mercury on the side closest to the sun. You know, one of those, why are you doing that, Bill? Because no one's ever done it before. You know, it's like <laughs> him and his sled dogs and, <laughs> you know, in their uh, environmental suits and all that stuff. With his handy robot in tow. <laughs> You know, that's going to be a hardier future generation as far as I'm concerned. Mm, it's going to be something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, Mercury. I mean, you know, who knew? <laughs> so, anyway, like I said, if you want to take a look at those pictures, actually, it's probably better uh, to uh, go to uh, the site for either the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency or or the European Space Agency, because they're going to have a lot more. If you go, I mean, not that I don't want you to go to the Fantastic Forum Facebook page, but we've only got the one photo up there. Mm. So uh, there's going to be a considerably more robust offering uh, if we look there. 
Oh, and after the M planets, where do we go next? <laughs> uh, you know, well, and the fact that we can even go someplace at all, and and that was uh, one of the anniversaries from earlier this week, October fourth, uh, the date that the USSR launched Sputnik One, and you think about, wow, that was that was only sixty four years ago, and how far we've come in the space of 64 years in terms of being able to expand our scientific knowledge. I mean, it's just, I mean, cause that was, and that was a big deal putting this little ball into orbit. Oh my God. And we just, were, everybody just, was terrified. Not just that, but it was what, like 66 years between the first powered flight and landing on the moon. Hmm. Well, landing a man you, on the moon. And when you put it that way, yeah, you know, because there was the Wright brothers, and then next thing you know, yeah. you know, nineteen o three to nineteen sixty nine, one person's lifetime. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Less even, you yep. know. But yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that makes us feel incredibly small. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just proud that human beings are capable of doing that stuff. You know, it's like. We we've got footprints on the moon, and you know that'll that nothing can take that away from us. Even if we're erased tomorrow, we still got there. It's the kind of thing that um, makes you feel optimistic, if nothing else. I mean, and and let's face it. I mean, these are uh, not that I want to bring anybody down, but you know, these are these are troubled and troubling times. I mean, particularly in terms of science, because one of the things that we have seen in recent years is absolute science denial and so you know on the one hand you know this this whole community that's about uh, expanding the realms of our knowledge uh, in contrast to frankly people who think the earth is flat and i'm sorry flat earthers but you you all are just stupid i'm sorry <laughs> just there's, there's a lot of science denialism out there and it's it's ginned up for political reasons, ginned up for cultural reasons, but, you know, the the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people that would have a hard time believing 2 plus 2 equals 4, so, you know, it's how it is. Yeah, and they'll tell you stuff like, I did my research, um, <laughs> which, yeah. is, which, is hila- which is hilarious when a Google search is their only research, but additionally, the, the, the flat earth thing is ridiculous because this is something that was, like... The fact that the Earth is round is not something that's new. This is something that has been like established for centuries, like thousands, <clears throat> <of> millennia. <clears throat> this has been this was established by the ancient Greeks, and it wasn't until, like, I wouldn't say recently, but like the Dark Ages helped, you know, like go back to the whole like eh, the Earth might be flat because of stupidity. Yeah, and that's the only reason that it keep that's that it's even alive today yeah. is like yeah. people will literally say things like, "Well, I did the math." No, you didn't. I was in an airplane, so yeah. like it, it looks flat to me. Okay, but were you in space? Did you see it? Do you can you use science? Can you use math? Can you use physics? Any of these things that actual scientists have done to prove that it does not, in fact, like exist as a flat plane? Like it just it it's sure it's, it's, it's baffling to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I found a site that agrees with me, so I do my research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Research, yeah. yeah. No, I, I I hear that and. Uh, we may we may have to go back to that uh, at the point at which we come back from the break. But, of course, that musical cue means that it is time for us to take a short break because Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station, and among other things, that means that we're non-commercial. Uh, but, of course, that means we are not beholden 
to any particular group uh, except our listeners and our sponsors and our underwriters. And we would love it if you would consider becoming an underwriter of the content of the station or a sponsor of one or more of the individual programs found here on WERA. Visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org to find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift in support of the wonderful institution of community radio today. Anyway, we are not done here on Fantastic Forum. Got a lot more coming your way. So stick around because we'll be back with more right after this. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming online at WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner and Mike Lunsford. And when we took the break, we were talking a little bit about actual sciencey stuff because that's one of the fun things that we can do on this show. But now that we're in, actually, you know what? You know what? I was going to say, now that we're in the second half, let's go to some like stuff that isn't actual science. But I find there's one other actual science-y thing that I just want to mention, which is William Shatner is going into space. <laughs> yeah. I mean... How said, crazy is that? He says it's kind of scary to you know face the prospect of actually going. And he does not want to be the oldest guy to have gone. He does not want that distinction. Well, but still. <laughs> uh, you know, they're, they're, it's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he finds somebody older that they can go in, you know? I mean, or, you know, managed to do it back in the 70s. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, but the other funny thing with this is some of the memes that I'm seeing. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the one where it's like, um, you know, a character from Planet of the Apes, and the meme is, hey guys, we should all dress like this when William Shatner comes back. You know? I saw that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other one is, uh, it's, it's from um, Whom Gods Destroy, original series Star Trek episode, and uh, here, is, uh, here is Shatner uh, making out with um, Yvonne Craig as uh, Marta, a uh, green Orion slave girl, and the caption is, I sure hope William Shatner doesn't expect to find this in outer space. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just curious. What do you guys think about this? William Shatner's going into freaking space. Mike, what do you think? Um, how polite do I have to be? <laughs> um, you don't have to be polite, but you can't I'm, use profanity. The FCC frowns on that. I, well, obviously, yes. I, I, I will behave, Mr. Campbell, because um, I respect you and your radio show. Um, I personally can't stand William Shatner, and it's upsetting oh. to me because Captain oh. Kirk was one of my heroes as a kid. Um, he is he has grown in his old age to be a hateful mm. internet troll who shares awful views online, belittles and makes fun of and bullies people on a regular basis. Uh, this was incredibly disappointing to me. Because for the longest time, I wanted to meet the man because, again, he was one of my childhood heroes. But he has proven time and time and time again that he is not somebody 
of a high enough moral character that I would want to be associated with in any way, shape, or form. That being said, good for him. <laughs> I hope I hope it goes well. I he's ninety years old, so I won't badmouth the guy too much because he probably doesn't have much time left on this earth. But Godspeed, William Shatner. Hope you come back in one piece. It is, you know, it is go. dangerous, and I have to imagine. I mean, because I don't know how many G's you pull doing this, but I have to imagine that it's it, it's not the easiest thing, even on a younger person. And this guy is yeah. ninety now. Evidently, he's in pretty good shape for somebody his age. And um, I I recognize what you are saying because uh, Captain Kirk was somebody that I grew up admiring uh, also. And then when I found out that the performer who portrayed this beloved character was nothing like the actual guy, I was very disappointed. And, uh, you know, particularly when I found out about the enmity between him and a lot of his Star Trek colleagues you know i mean that was just he was not a good he was not a good cast uh, member he was not and it's it's consistent across the board all of them say that and it's 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 upsetting it really is and like it's a it's a bummer because again i'm 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 a huge star i'm shoot i'm wearing a star trek shirt right now um (laughs) it's just a bummer that this is who he chose to be Mm. well he had he had plenty of opportunity he has acknowledged uh, that, in, and he has said, in his youth, he was extremely callow. And I'm like, good word, William Shatner. Yes. Well, I mean, it doesn't excuse him um, insulting Will Wheaton the way he did. What did he say about oh, Will Wheaton? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Mike, that was, that Mike was knows that's right. Yeah, Wheaton, Wheaton's talked yeah. about that before. He said that uh, he was really excited to go over and meet William Shatner because they were doing you know, Star Trek Next Generation, they were doing a Star Trek movie on the same lot. Oh, okay. And so this was the very, the earliest years of Star Trek yeah, The Next so, Generation. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, this was and, and in went, the midst of filming Star Trek V. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he went over to, to say hi, and, and Shatner just basically told him, who, who the heck are you, punk kid, you know? I would never allow a, a child on the bridge of my Enterprise. Yeah. Were, were his exact words. Yeah. Yeah, and, like... And uh, apparently Roddenberry intervened in this one mm. and and said yeah it's it's not cool what what just happened so. mm, wow yeah well the only thing and i'm not defending william shatner <laughs> by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination but i do want to say that uh, on the part of the original cast uh, there was there was a great deal of skepticism uh, when star trek the next generation first started and in particular i recall James Doohan uh, saying that because he did not believe that it was going to be successful Mm. and he said something along the lines of well I think they're really going to be surprised and I, I, I think he was under the impression that the fans only wanted to see the original cast and that there was no interest in taking this thing forward and I think there was some serious miscalculation there because, oh, I mean, as a fan, all I was looking for was for them to advance this thing. And I, I mean, in fact, I remember watching that two-hour premiere encounter at Farpoint, and uh, they really had me from the very beginning. I mean, when I saw the new ship, and I'm like, wow, everything looks so updated. But they absolutely sunk the hook completely deep 
to where it couldn't get out without like ripping flesh when I saw 137 year old Dr. McCoy I was like oh, it really is Star Trek hmm. and and they had me from there and it's like oh you know and and then I wanted to find out what happened to him you know it's like it's 137 it was right or 100 years later basically this is 100 years after the original series yeah and um you know sure you know the the couple of them still had to be breathing but you're like what happened to Kirk what happened to Spock what what happened you know and so anytime they'd have an arena because I like that uh, episode or the the two episodes um unification where they had spock as a guest star and then you know they they found scotty you know he'd been in the transporter buffer and all that yeah. stuff i mean it was just it was just really really cool to see the original cast members interacting with the next gen cast members and i was all in is all i can say so i'm and i'm sorry i went i went down the rabbit hole completely on that it's okay you love you love star trek just as much as i do and it sounds like your disappointment is very similar to mine um in somebody that you looked up to and yeah i mean the will wheaton thing was ridiculous too because like he he literally was over there like fanboying out and shatner was just like a total jerk to him yeah 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 well all right two things about that one is firstly it was a fictional character that i had this love affair with (laughs) quite frankly it was you know james t kirk and william shatner and and it taught me a lesson in that and you children listening at home pay attention to this because it taught me a lesson about hero worship you know don't confuse the actor or actress with the character that they're playing yeah because that's going to disappoint you every single solitary time trust me and because it's a job to them i mean and the fact that we're still talking about this thing 55 years later is a shock to everybody because nobody nobody thought that this thing was going to have the legs that it ended up having so anyway so there's that but the other thing is, uh, and, and this is fresh in my mind, because I was just watching Galaxy Quest the other night. <laughs> and now, nice. it was kind of late, but I gotta tell you, and maybe I'm just a sucker, I'm giving something away here, but that end scene where they have crash-landed into the Galaxy Quest convention, and they're all coming out of there, and then... Uh, Quincy Peter Taggart. Well, sorry. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, well, it, Peter Quincy Taggart is the character's name. You know, um, yeah. the the uh, the character. Jason. That, yeah, Jason Nesbitt. Um, when he's got to shoot Saris, you know, the alien warlord there, and blow him up. I mean, that. All right, that's cool. But then. You know, he kisses Sigourney Weaver, you know, and there's the one girl who's the fan in the audience who falls out. It's like, oh, my God. And then there are two other things that happened. And I will be honest, brought tears to my eyes. And the first one was when uh, Taggart saw, well, excuse me, Nesbitt (laughs) saw uh, the young fans that he had maligned earlier in the movie Mm -hmm. who had helped him because without them and the one guy brandon marshalling their forces they never would have gotten through that stuff and he catches sight of them and he gives them the galaxy quest salute i'm getting choked up just saying it you know and they all like salute back that was like that was so freaking cool and then when he acknowledged his cast members 
Yeah. And they and they're all looking around like, "What? What? He's he's bringing us up for a bow? He's like, come on, you know, like we're an ensemble." And I'm I'm getting choked up just talking about this. I'm, man. I'm thinking but, that every every line of that was written as. How can we heal the Star Trek <laughs> reality? <laughs> you know the yeah, the, the, right? back, the backstage you know thing that went on between these, mm. these actors. So yeah, yeah. But that salute, man. I mean that 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 that's what started the waterworks. I'll tell you right there. I mean because I mean it, it, it's just such a it's a moment of elation. And then he sees them and he becomes somber and he like, you know, he gives them the salute like in a real way. And it's like, oh, man, well, he's he's he, he's saluting them. You know? yeah. it's like, I mean, yeah. and, and frankly, the subtext there is pretty obvious. Look, the fans saved our lives. <laughs> yeah. fans, yes. I mean, fans saved Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, let's, they let's did. not beat around the bush here. Yeah. Because, yeah, like they they definitely saved that because, I mean, letter writing campaigns and them keeping it alive with the conventions. Like, mm-hmm. if, it's not, if it's not. Yeah, if it's not for them, Star Trek dies. And like, I don't know. I can't tell you for sure if Shatner ever addressed that. If Shatner ever was like, you know, hey, thank you, the fans, because like he's been known to be kind of cold and hmm. care, like doesn't really give a crap what what the fans think. And I'm wondering if any of that was kind of like, hey, you know what, Shatner, you want people to like you a little bit more. This is the way to do it. But I mean, like, he, I feel like at this point, he doesn't care. Mm, yeah, you're probably right. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner and Mike Lunsford. And we were just talking a little bit about William Shatner going into space in just a couple of days. (laughs) It's like, wow. And, And what all of that means. And we really went down the rabbit hole on that but uh, it ended up being some some really good stuff i mean i look i don't and and heck actually we were talking about millionaires what well, we were excuse me billionaires in space uh only uh, a week ago <laughs> and um, yeah. we really really went down the rabbit hole on that i mean this isn't exa- i mean it's more of the same kind of stuff here uh sort of self-indulgent and uh, i'm sure that shatner isn't paying the freight you know, uh, Jeff Bezos or whoever is, you know, saying, "Hey, I'll, I'll, I just because you're Captain Kirk, I'll let you come along." But uh, it, it's it's what it says about space tourism, uh, I think, is interesting. So uh, we'll just have to see where all of this goes. But, Indeed. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, he's going into space. Anyway. So uh, we, we, as it turns out, all the real science-y stuff on the show took up a lot of time. Um, but uh, I did want to observe that the New York Comic Con is going on this weekend. Yeah. And uh, we, we all know some people who are up there. I'm, I'm just, I think it's great <laughs> that people feel comfortable and confident enough to get together. Uh, I did hear that the announced attendance was about 150,000. I have no reason to question that estimate, but I, I, you know, I, I did see some accounts where attendees themselves had indicated that it was a lot easier moving around mm. than it usually has been. So I think well, there is some skepticism on my part. That was. I mean that was that was awesome con. Awesome con was easier to move around this year than it was in years past. But I'm not 
questioning their total number that they brought. I mean, it just makes sense. And honestly, it made me more comfortable. Like, it, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, whether people want to uh, believe it or not. So, like, yes, it would be nice for, you know, quote unquote business. But, like, you also have to worry about personal safety. And, oh, absolutely. And, and frankly, if their numbers are down, at least they're able to have a convention. And as long as people are safe, then I'm never going to fault anybody for that but like at the same time too like i i can understand if those numbers are less than or more than what they should be or mm -hmm. i would hope they're not more than because then that's frightening like well, i'd be scared One hundred and fifty thousand is that's like what they usually get maybe even a little more i want to say that oh, really? uh, yeah like one hundred and twenty-five thousand. i think was the last announced well, attendance it, it's interesting I, to me that mm. on facebook they were still advertising tickets available that's true <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> that so is very no true limitation is what you're saying they can just as many people as you can fit in that place yeah. so, i mean that's, they, a, they, that's they, a big convention center yeah it's jabs is huge yeah and they were not obviously worried about selling out. So yeah. where they have sold out in previous years they when have. they've announced fewer attendees. Really? Yeah, the well the other thing about AwesomeCon, the the announced attendance was lower than that has been. Uh well at least for the last uh actual in person event that they had two years ago. So it it should have been easier moving around in DC. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't know how they're counting the turnstiles here, you know. Definitely but easier. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, in the time that we have left, um, I, there are these uh, trailers that have come out, and um, I'm I'm just curious because you know we've got um, what do you call it? Lost in Space. Oh, there's this oh, um, uh, House of the Dragon. You know, the Game of Thrones prequel. Uh, also, The Expanse and Discovery, and the Discovery trailer actually just dropped earlier today. I'm curious about what you guys are the most hyped about. I will tell you that I'm hyped about The Expanse, but I'm hyped about all of them, really, but particularly about The Expanse, because I love that show. And that House of the Dragon thing looked really cool. I'm wondering what you guys, uh, what you're really looking forward to. And don't uh, everybody talk about Lost in Space. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. like I, I was late to the sh late to the um, party on that one. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't start watching it until um, the pandemic. Actually, like mm. I went and I went through and binge season one and season two. Absolutely fell in love with that show, and the fact that we're getting season three now, I'm super excited about. It. I really enjoyed it. I never really watched the original other mm. than like maybe a few episodes here and there, mm -hmm. and like. I I really 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 fell in love with the show and the characters and like they took a lot of not a risk is the wrong word but they took a lot of chances in what they were doing with it because it mm -hmm. wasn't like the original series they took they they went to some different places than than the original series did but it it was always done really really well and I can't wait to see what they're going to do with it. Mm. Well, I, I'm somebody who did watch the original series. I love the show. Also, let me just say, but yeah. I I thought that what they've done is a really nice homage to the original series. I mean, there were a few tweaks. I mean, this whole colonist group thing, as opposed to it being an individual mission. But you know, the, the heart of it was the original Lost in Space. I mean, the whole idea of uh, families going out to colonize space, you know, and, and the incredible adventure of that the danger the majesty the scientific discovery all of that stuff so uh, yeah. but i'm right there with you man it's it's that i'm that's i guess i was hyped about all of it 
But, um, you know, that's, I mean, particularly those ones that I mentioned, but I'm glad all of this stuff is coming back. Drew, what, what are you most excited about of these things? Oh, boy. Um, I, I kind of spent the last week watching Squid Game, so. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, I want to watch that so bad. I've had that's so not one of good. the choices. <laughs> it, it's not. It's not. And it's not perfect, but it's pretty impressive. So <laughs> I will tell you. Um, so I, I was watching that. Mm-hmm. Um I'm looking forward to House of the Dragon. Um, I'm I'm glad that uh, the streaming services, Netflix and Amazon and, and others, are investing in epic fantasy. Um, Wheel of Time is going to be coming out. Mm, yeah. Um, you like know, there was a trailer for that, too, I think. Yeah, Middle, mm. Middle Earth, The Second Age is coming out. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things still in the pipeline, and which, which feels speculation about who, mm. what else can be adapted. And there's a ton of stuff that can be adapted. There's, you know, science fiction is not nearly run dry yet. So I'm kind of in a in a weird place. Like I, I, I'm glad to see that some of these properties are continuing, but at the same time, I'd I'd like to see them move into other things. I'd like to see them take on like Roger Zelazny's Amber or Stephen R. Donaldson's Chronicles of Thomas Covenant or things like that. So. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, hyped about, well, you're excited about all of it and yes. the prospects for the future yes. uh, in terms of uh, and I loved what un- if. undeveloped and under, oh, that's right. That just ended yeah. too. Undeveloped yeah. and underdeveloped uh, properties. All right. Well, um, you know, we, we can go out on what if. The only other thing that I had wanted to mention, and I think this is noteworthy, is that October 4th was the 90th anniversary of the debut of Chester Gould's Dick Tracy strip in newspapers. And, of course, that's noteworthy because Dick Tracy is um, well, it's a pretty big detective story and uh, pretty influential, and particularly in terms of Chester Gould's villains. And we've talked about this before on the show in that Gould had some real interesting ideas about the correlation between physical disfigurement and villainy <laughs> that I think uh, yeah. just, I mean, it's it's just, ew, it's very interesting, you know, anytime somebody wants to kind of promote something like that. And so, I, I but in addition to the staying power of Dick Tracy, you know, as a strip. So, I, but yeah, I, I just wouldn't, wouldn't want... Uh, anything to go by without mentioning that Dick Tracy, you know? Mm. So, uh, anyway, but yes, but what if? I mean, if you guys, you know, t- tell me about what if, because I've watched the first episode and then I crapped out because I didn't want to. I, di- I honestly, I didn't, I wasn't ready to see Chadwick Boseman's last performance. It's, it's one big yeah. story and he does a great job. That's what I've heard, you know. So now that he really does, there's there's a couple of moments that like hit you right in the feels, man. It's it's really really well done. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, so obviously something to check out uh, among all the other uh, various and sundry things because we're living in the golden age of geeks, people, and no shortage of fun stuff with which to indulge ourselves, be it fantasy, science fiction, horror, comics, or real live science. Hey, look, that's all the time that we have for today's show. I'd like to thank my guests and you, too, for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. Check your local listings to see when it airs in your area or visit the website at fantasticforum.tv to check out full episodes of the series 
or any of the segments broken out. You want to see the interviews, you want to see the toy and game profiles, or the special features, or the discussion, any of that. It's all available to you at fantasticforum.tv. And of course, there's also the podcast version of this very radio show. Thanks to Mike Lunsford and the Great Geek Refuge. You can check that out on all the platforms where your favorite podcasts are available. And if you miss any portion of it during the first run here on Saturdays, the show re-airs each and every Thursday afternoon from 3 to 4 right here on WERA 96.7 FM. So be sure to check that out too. And of course, we want you to be safe. We want you to protect yourself. We want you to enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to come back again next time. Same bat time, same bat station.